Hello folks, this is Carl Valeri with the Stuck Mike Avcast. Today we're going to talk about how to fly more, spend less, by joining a flying club. Today we're speaking with Todd Castro. He's the president, uh, former president of the Blue Sky Aviation Association. And it's one of the oldest and most successful flying clubs in the U.S. And uh, Todd has over 10 years with the flying club and seven of those on the uh, board. Uh, welcome, Todd. Uh, thank you, Carl, for having me. Oh, this is great. Uh, a lot of our members have been asking us, and our, excuse me, our listeners have been asking us, uh, does anybody know about flying clubs and how to form one and, and why they should join a flying club? So let's just kind of get started with, uh, you know, why did you join uh, Blue Sky and why did you join a flying club and seek out a flying club? Well, like um, many um, private pilots who've gotten their tickets, um, I was renting at uh, various airports and uh, not overly impressed with a lot of the rentals. They were very expensive. There were a lot of restrictions, uh, overnights in particular. Um, rentals are really set up for students. Um, you know, there's a business plan for those uh, operations and uh, they have to keep those airplanes up and flying for them to be profitable. Uh, from the standpoint of a renter, it's not the most advantageous way to fly because they want to have a minimum amount of time. Well, if you're going for you know, an overnight hop that's only you know, an hour or two away, they want to see a minimum of three to five hours. And uh, obviously that's a big problem if uh, you just got your ticket, now you want to do something with it. So with those frustrations, I found the Blue Sky Flying Club. These are some of the reasons you joined the, the Flying Club. Now, just, could you give some consideration to our listeners? You know, what are some of the other reasons that they might want to join a Flying Club? Well, um, you know, when I joined the Flying Club, it was strictly for you know availability and cost. Those were the things that I was looking at. I hadn't um, thought of anything else. I just wanted to be able to get to an airplane. There wouldn't be any scheduling issues. The cost would be lower. And, of course, paramount to everything, that the maintenance was, was up. Um, what I found in joining the club is that there's so much more available. Um, pilots are a pretty um, small and tight-knit community. And uh, if you know anybody's done any hangar flying, you know, if you get a couple pilots together, we're going to talk stories about airplanes and things we've done with our airplanes and, you know, shit that's gone wrong with yeah, it. Sure. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and it was uh, a wonderful stage for that. Um, and what I found was that I got to know people that had vastly different experiences from the guys that go out a couple times a year and, you know, go 50 miles for a hundred dollar hamburger to gentlemen like yourself who are professional pilots um, to, you know, very, very proficient private pilots that do a lot of flying uh, and everything in between. And people have been to different places that I'd never been to before with, you know, suggestions of where to go and where not to go. Um, and it turned out to be a fantastic experience. I, I did hundreds of hours of some of the best flying I could have imagined. Um, with the other members of the club. And, you know, I, I, I've had tremendous experiences flying all over the, the eastern half of the country with uh, friends and colleagues of the club that, you know, I hope to have, uh, you know, for the rest of my life. 
been to Oshkosh, um, you know, been up um, from New Jersey to, to Florida several times with other members of the club. Um, you know, just uh, incredible things. You know, uh, the club had this annual thing where we flew into Newark Airport, which for most, um, you know, GA guys, that's something that they'll never experience. But one day of the year, um, they invite a handful of GA guys to display our aircraft. And, uh, you know, we've got, you know, a waiting list of guys that want to try to get that into their logbook to fly one of the planes in there. Wow. Uh, yeah, it, it, the, the social experience was something that took me by surprise. And uh, it's something that will stay with me for the rest of my life. And, you know, if you just go in it for, hey, I just want to fly and do it cost effective, uh, that, that's great. But you can get so much more out of it in a club that encourages that. Uh, and Blue Sky, you know, uh, you know, really encourages that. And it makes for better pilots. The, the way um, Blue Sky was set up, um, it was a uh, partnership. It was a, a joint ownership of all the members. Basically, the way that particular club was set up, that uh, each member equal share in the club. And uh, the club owns the assets. Now, with the arrangement that they have, um, as per the bylaws, um, if the club was liquidated, um, when all the debts are paid and everything is done, each existing member with the bond entitled to an equal share. Doesn't necessarily have to be set up that way, but that was the way that that club was set up and it's been very successful for 53 years. Mm -hmm. The way it's set up is you have a set of bylaws and, um, you know, like a corporation, you know, you, you have these um, hardened rules in place that, um, you know, are the, uh, the foundation of the organization. In order to change any of these bylaws, um, our bylaws required a two-thirds majority vote in order to change any of these things. And they set out the structure. Um, the bylaws uh, with our club set out that there were five elected members of the board that would make the day-to-day -day decisions of the, of the club and that, uh, that these elections were held in July and the fiscal year started from September 1st until August 31st. Um, that's how Blue Sky was set up. And then there's a set of operating instructions or operating rules, you know, when it comes to scheduling issues, monetary issues, maintenance issues. Um, if you have a set of written rules that everybody must adhere to, um, it takes a lot of the tediousness out of running an operation. If you don't have a fantastic set of members, members that volunteer their time and efforts to make it successful, it won't be. Uh, if you just get people that are there just for, you know, getting the best buck out of it, and you don't have people that are volunteering their time, you won't have a successful organization. Um, I think most people that get into flying are passionate, um, and that passion will then follow through. Of course, people have families and, and time constraints and monetary constraints, but overall, uh, you have to have um, commitment, and that is probably the most important thing to starting a flying club is committed members. 
um, both in terms of time and in founding a club, you have to have a monetary commitment. Um, you need the funds in which to start an enterprise like this. Um, there's just no other way around it. Um, the you know founding members of a club have to lay out you know sometimes a significant amount of money uh, in order to accumulate the assets for the club. Now there can certainly be um, creative ways for a club to reimburse their membership, um, and our club really reached um, in in doing that with the financing of a replacement aircraft. We needed to find a way in order to, to get a newer piece of equipment uh, in the lineup. And we did that um, on several different fronts. We uh, solicited donations from, from members if they wanted to donate. What we wound up doing was increasing people's bonds into the club. So what we were asking for was people to um, add additional bond monies as much as they could um, so that the club would have the extra capital in the financing uh, uh, you know, part of, of the club. We always kept money aside uh, for maintenance, annuals, and engines. And um, so we utilized the money that we had set aside for the engine. And we also um, got members to loan the club money, uh, guaranteed loans at 6%. By doing that, um, members, you know, were guaranteed their money back um, at uh, a rate of six percent. But ultimately, we were we were able to um, secure the funding to uh, purchase that aircraft uh, with you know creative finance in house with our own members. Uh, we were fortunate that we were at 40, 48 or or fifty members at the time, so we had a pretty big pool and the club benefited greatly and now the club uh, instead of having a, an old 1971 M model 172 uh, they have a 1998 um, SP model uh, with leather interior and um, you know we bought it I think it had 600 hours on it Wow, that, that's interesting though it's really interesting about the cost I didn't realize that's how you actually did the finance for the for the airplanes and uh it just goes to show you if if you're all interested in the same goal, you can all pull together and finally get to that goal. Um, you know, one thing that that came across my mind though when you were talking about uh, these capital costs, et cetera, and fixed costs, the uh, the taxes. That's something you have these funds that are inside this corporation. You said it's a a nonprofit organization, so they're corporation. So therefore, you don't pay taxes on that, correct? Um, yes, we're. At, we're, we're tax exempt. Um, of course, we we still have to file our taxes, right. but, but that is also one of the benefits to its members because um, being in a private flying club, um, you're not subject to um, federal or local sales tax on your flying hours. Ah. So on where you are, um, you're saving money right then and there. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Not paying sales tax on you know on your uh, on your purchase uh, of time. Uh, that's a savings right there uh, as a private flying club. Um, another tangible benefit for us uh, in New Jersey, the state charges road taxes on all publicly dispensed fuel. Well, 
Obviously, road taxes don't really apply to aircraft, but private owners have to pay it. And I think it was ten cents a gallon in New Jersey uh, when I left. Wow. Uh, so we went through um, a pretty lengthy process. But being that we were a qualified nonprofit organization, uh, Blue Sky now gets all that money back uh, from the state of New Jersey, uh, which you know amounts to you know fifty to one hundred dollars a month, uh, depending upon how much flying is being done and fuels being consumed. So you know there there are definitely tangible benefits, and you still have to keep in mind that it is a business. It has the business has to be run like a business. Mm-hmm. The business plan for the club was set up by CPAs and um, everything was depreciated. Anything that the club had ever purchased, uh, whether it was a step ladder, um, you know, wash equipment, whatever it was, they had it on a depreciation scale. Um, and if you have CPA type people that are doing your books all the time, um, that's probably a pretty easy thing to do. But as the years went on, we just had, you know, your average Joe who was uh, volunteering his time on the board trying to, you know, put his uh, his arms around what a CPA had set up to, to do the billing, and it, it became uh, a monumental task. How about maintenance? I was told that it, it's it's there's less maintenance when you don't have the, the student pilot. Okay. Yes. Um, the maintenance costs will be dramatically reduced with that because, you know, students are rough on airplanes. They're tough on tires, landing gears, um, things of that nature. And, uh, of course, the insurance costs are going to be much higher uh, when you're insuring an aircraft for students. Um, not to say that club insurance is cheap by any means. Um, it is it is uh, much more expensive um, for a club to insure an aircraft than a, a personal individual is, but it's definitely doable. And the way um, the way we structured it was, it was part of the fixed cost. It was part of our monthly expense. So as a group, we all paid our monthly dues, and the monthly dues took care of our fixed costs, which included the insurance tie downs annual inspection, um, you know, all the uh, subscription costs, um, you know, the scheduling uh, system, um, you know, the uh, GPS updates, all, all those were part of our, our fixed costs. So that was included, and that was um, that was a fantastic benefit for the members that they didn't have to go out and buy their own insurance. Interesting. You know, it's interesting. Now, now that you said that, one of the things I was thinking is, how about some of the downsides let's 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 get into some of the 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 things that most of us want to hear about but but don't want to think happens how do you deal with the challenges let's say for instance uh safety are people complying with safety and also how do you deal with those members that "Mm, you know what maybe this isn't the right club for them or they're doing things that aren't safe or they're they're breaking things, you know. How do you how do you deal? And first of all, have you had that problem before? And I, I know you know don't get overly specific, of course. But but how did you deal with those challenges? And and what were they? Well, um, yeah. Anytime you you deal with a diverse group of individuals, you're going to have um, different skill sets. And um, you know, of course, we're all you know we're all Chuck Yeagers in our in our minds. But the reality of it is. 
there's a lot of um, rusty pilots out there that just don't get enough flying. Um, and, you know, the vetting process right from the beginning is very important. And that was one of the things that um, I started early on as the membership chairperson is making sure that our potential members um, were a good fit for us. Um, we didn't want, you know, any cowboys in the club. We didn't want guys that, you know, were going to be buzzing their buddies' houses and, you know, or they wanted the, the aircraft available to them for business trips all the time. Um, you know, we were a group of pilots that, you know, were out there to have fun and, um, you know, do it safely. That being said, you know, it's, it's, it's hard as a group to police people that have an equal uh, ownership in, in your investment. Um, but there's definitely, you have to set the ground rules early. Um, you have to have it in writing um, as to what the expectations of the club are of all of its members. And there has to be a, a written um, rule that enables members of, of the board to make decisions on behalf of the membership, um, you know, and in some cases having to um, ground a pilot for, for issues or um, revoke their flying privileges. That's not something that um, I think any board member would want to do, and um, we definitely had some challenges with that. Um, you know, we, we had challenges where, you know, some members, you know, weren't always sharp. Um, or um, taking advantages of, um, of, of scheduling uh, to their benefit. I think the initial vetting process is important, having a probationary period, um, three months, six months, nine months, a year, um, making sure that anybody coming into the club is a good fit, and something that I always told our prospective members that, you know, as, as much as, you know, we want you to feel comfortable with our club, we also need to feel comfortable with you as a member that you're not going to, you know, bend our investment around a pole because you're too busy chatting on the cell phone instead of watching where you're taxing, um, those type of things. So it's, um, you know, that, and that's part of the commitment to the club and, and, uh, I think a lot of that can be addressed just in the initial vetting of applicants uh, for a club. Well, you know, as you've been talking through this, and this has been terrific, one of the things that I've, I'm realizing is, you know, we were talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly here, The is that there's so much more that goes into forming a club than people realize, and, and that I realized. I mean, just, just, you know, the one great part about being a member of a club and I'm starting to realize is, is terrific, is that I don't have to deal with that. There's board members that are very committed to, to doing that. Yes, I, I get involved. I help out with the wash and wax and sometimes be able to do certain things. But there's there's some of us that can't get overly involved, and then there's some that, that just, you know, really are the ones that carry the weight. For instance, like a maintenance director, uh, you know, that that's at the club. He he does so much work, and, and it's just terrific that they do that. Um, but... But one of the th- it, one of the things I'm sure a lot of our, our our listeners are saying, gee, I don't know, this this sounds like way too much, and 
and, and you know that's that's the impression I started getting it. But but in reality, there there's so much out there to help you. I know that on uh, the internet, there's the AOPA has all this information about forming a club. Did, now, did you folks use that when you were uh, forming, or do you, have you used that to change the bylaws, et cetera? And do you um, have a reference, or you just have all this experience, you don't have to really worry about that? <laughs> well, actually, um, AOPA, um, they, they, they were pretty late to the game with information about that. Um, I really didn't have anything to reference with, with them at, at the time, because they you know, they had an, an ownership section that talked about acquisitions, and we certainly utilized um, their services in acquiring the replacement aircraft we, we spoke about earlier. Uh, but they, at the time, did not have um, a lot of information about flying clubs. Um, and I think that, you know, they're just getting their, their toes wet in it. And um, I think that this is a avenue in which AOPA can definitely commit some resources to because I think a national organization such as AOPA um, can have the ability to work with the manufacturers in creating nationwide clubs. Have a partnership with a manufacturer would be wonderful, just like you said, and, and really they have all these resources because you know, one of the, one of the resources that that maybe a smaller club doesn't have is is the promotion of that club. You know, if you have Cessna, say, and a manufacturer of airplanes promoting uh, their clubs throughout the U.S. or a club that's using their aircraft, that that voice can be heard in, in, through many avenues. And and that that's another thing too is that I've noticed is that the promotion of these clubs. You know, you form a club now. How how do you get members? Where do you go? And having a manufacturer backing you up, that, that would be terrific. And, and, and on that point, by the way, if, if we can just segue into that, is, you know, how do you promote the club? How do you get people out there to, to come visit your club and, and discover your club and, and join your club? How do you, how do you sell it? Well, that, that was my challenge as the membership chairperson. Um, when I started in that position, we were struggling. We had three aircraft. We had uh, 36 members at the time and um, you know our um, uh, financial situation was, was such that our um, fixed costs um, were just barely making it. We, we were just barely bringing in enough money on the fixed cost to, to pay for these things and um, that was my charter was to, to increase membership and um, what gave us the biggest bang for the buck at the time uh, was um, we did flyers. Uh, we did a mail-out flyer. I think we spent um, probably about $500, $600 on printing up, um, I think it was 1,000 or 1,100 flyers and getting them out to the zip codes that we wanted to get them to. And we had guys that uh, donated the printing you know, guys that, you know, donated their time and, and um, you know, we, we wound up uh, getting it done at a fairly cheap cost. And when all was said and done, we probably ended up with seven to ten um, members as a result of that first mailing. And uh, it was huge because a lot of people really had no idea about us. Um, the Internet wasn't huge at that point. I mean, it was there, but... Um, 
it really wasn't a it really wasn't a good tool for us at the time. We didn't have a very good website, um, and that's again uh, an area where, um, as time went on, we wound up with newer members that were savvy um, web guys that um, rebuilt our website and uh, made it functional and useful, and um, you know, and it's become a tool. Uh, a recruitment tool, an advertising tool, um, but on a much smaller scale than, than certainly could be had. But, um, you know, we've tried putting flyers up at uh, local airports and things like that. And you get, you know, very limited use. I mean, we even put a phone line in at the airport with a, uh, a voicemail box. And after six months of really not getting anything out of it, we just wound up shutting the phone line off because it just wasn't uh, giving us any tangible benefit. But now marketing, I think, is essential, and um, you know you've got to you got to go out there and you got to go after it. And you know you don't have to be overly aggressive. You don't have to spend a lot of money doing it, but you do have to get yourself known um, in the local aviation community. Um, and, they, they, and it's not just, you know, internet and flyers. It's also, you know, shaking hands with people. Um, you know, hey, we're in, you know, such and such a flying club and, you know, and you, you get the word out that way. But, uh, you know, marketing is, you know, it's it's all part of running a business. And, um, you know, you can't lose track ever that you are running a business, even if it's a nonprofit. Um you know, you're running a business, but you're running a business for your members and everything goes back into it. And that's, you know, again, where you're looking at the commitment and people's donations of, of time. And, you know, it's, uh, it's not always the easy to wrangle people in, but I personally had tremendous satisfaction in volunteering my time um, through all the headaches and aggravations and and and, and such. Um I'm a better person for it. I've learned a lot um, personally, professionally, and it's a, it's a labor of love. Um, in speaking with our uh, director of maintenance, who you know is a retired gentleman who just puts in incredible amounts of time and love in, in every one of Blue Sky's aircraft. Um, you know his commitment to the club and the in the amount of hours that that this man has put in over the years is incredible. And, you know, he's one of the most humble individuals that you'll ever meet. And, you know, when you thank him for his time, he goes, you know, it's, it's not needed. You know, he, he loves to do it, you know, but of course, when somebody puts in that much love for something that you benefit from, of course, you're going to thank him for it. And, uh, you know, our, you know, blue sky was very fortunate to, to have a gentleman like that. And, you know, that's, Again, you know, it's all part of the members. You know, the members make the club. I tell you, Todd, this has been terrific. Just getting this introduction to to uh, learning how to build a flying club and and operating a flying club and all these things that go into it, and and we've we've touched on so many different areas: insurance, taxes, you know, safety, and dealing with club members, and and then finding members just just like this person you're talking about that can make this such a wonderful experience. What what I have found, and I'm sure you found too, from from your comments, is that this is a great experience, and this is it, it's terrific if you can set up a flying club that that all the members can enjoy and have members 
that can aid in the enjoyment of that club and and this but what what I'd like to do if if I could is I am sure I'm going to get a lot of questions about what we talked about and I'd love to either have you back on or just field some of these questions back towards you um, and uh, just you know before before we, we wrap up here I just wanted to ask you you know is there anything else that, that you could tell our audience you know that or, or our listeners do, that you know when they're they're thinking about starting a club I know there's this, all this information that that's out there uh, you know is there, there are a couple of things that they can concentrate on and think about when they're starting to do the discovery as to whether they want to start a flying club well um, the best advice I'd have and, and it's something that I've considered since I've relocated um, in forming a flying club um, you know first and foremost is you know getting a group of people together that are committed to to you know this adventure because it will be an adventure um, you know you you have to have that commitment and then it's a matter of you know putting the time in um, you know you gotta you gotta create the business before you can even get the product you know you've got to decide well, what type of aircraft are we going to fly? And is it going to be a new one? Or is it going to be a used one? Um, you know, they, those are a lot of the things that have to be um, discussed very early on. And you know, you have to um, you have to you have to set everything in writing. Um, you can you can have very loose agreements and gentlemen's agreements. And um, I've seen an entire airport taken over based on gentlemen's agreements um, Sky Manor Airport uh, w was purchased uh, by a group of, of the local pilots and basically they did it mu much of it on uh, handshakes and gentlemen agreement but the reality of um, a club is is that you have to set everything in writing when you do it you can have um, you can have a general guideline of what you want to do but you got to put pen to paper and actually create a set of rules that everybody's willing to abide by. And then, you know, you got to roll up your sleeves and, and you know, uh, form the corporation. Um, and, you know, look, you got legal Zoom and things like that where you don't actually have to hire a lawyer. Um, we used QuickBooks uh, for any of the accounting type people out there. Um, it is the corporation version of Quicken, and uh, by doing that and putting everything on QuickBooks, um, it made everything run much smoother once that was all in place. And um, you know, then you know, go find a plane. You know, get it just like um, what we did. You know, with the advice of AOPA, you know, we we were able to. Uh, do the title backgrounds and and uh, ensure that you know we were getting a good deal, um, you know proper uh, pre-buy inspections, uh, things of that nature. Uh, even working with your FBO and getting a deal on fuel. Um, one of the things that we you know had secured is uh, you know we had a fuel discount uh, where we were flying. Um, you know, we, we had a, a Phillips card that uh, gave us a 20 cent a gallon discount. Um, so finding the, these little things, um, you know, it, it takes a while to get going. And I haven't started one up from the ground, although I'm certainly considering it. Um, 
you know, after running one, I, I have a thorough understanding of, of what it takes to do it. And it can be done, but, you know, it, uh, it can't be done by one person. It takes the commitment of many people in order to get that done. Um, and if everybody is equally as passionate about it, um, I think it could be a very successful endeavor and I think a benefit to, to many pilots for many years to come, uh, as in the case of Blue Sky Aviation, who um, you know was formed by a bunch of guys that worked together that wanted to learn how to fly. And 53 years later, um, you know, there's 48 uh, members of that club that are benefiting from the foresight of you know this group of uh, Ethicon employees that decided they wanted to learn how to fly airplanes. So uh, it can be done, and I encourage you to do it. And um, you know, I would be more than happy to um, you know answer any questions and follow-ups that that I can. And uh, hope to see uh, some positive things come of this. Well, I think we are going to be looking for a new uh, flying club in the uh, Southwest Florida region where you've relocated to, and I, I for one, will will be promoting that, and uh, hopefully we'll see that in the future. Um, but this has been terrific, and boy, I, I can't thank you enough. And, and our listeners, I'm sure, will have quite a few questions for you. And if you, if our listeners do need to get in touch with us, this, again, this is Carl Valeri with the Stuck Mike Avcast. You can reach us at uh, the Stuck Mike Avcast uh, at Stuck Mike Avcast on, on Twitter, and you can reach me directly. I blog at expertaviator.com, and uh, just hit the contact me or you know you can find me on twitter expert aviator and uh drop us a line ask us any questions you like we really do appreciate your coming here todd and we look for uh, for some questions in the future and, and love to have you back on the show again uh my pleasure it's uh it's uh, been a lot of fun all right well again this is carl Blair with the stuck mike avcast and i hope you've learned something from and i'm sure you have about how to form a flying club and how to run a flying club and and the ups and downs of of, uh, a flying club and why you should join one. Again, have a great evening. We'll talk to you again soon. Safe flying.